do you ever see like those little pamphlets and they're like very scary like they're just like you gotta give it up to Jesus or you're going to hell and it's like a demon <laughs> randomly in there and I was like <laughs> like I told my mama I was like yo have you heard about getting baptized and she's like yeah you're, you've been baptized like yo, we run it back <laughs> <laughs> my dad we had this moment where he like we linked up and this ain't no like secret I have a song about it okay conversation on the parking lot it's on all streaming platforms let's go but, um, okay he was like so uh, here's all the bills that you didn't know about your cell phone stuff like health insurance and he was just like sorry about that player I'm not against responsibility but I feel like maybe you could wean somebody into that's not just like hey yo I'm about to hit him with this today like <laughs> he was like yeah by the way uh, me and your mom getting a divorce oh. right. also I don't think you're my kid so I started crying and he looked at me and was like, I'm crying. And I was just like, okay, fuck you for real. What up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the RXS podcast. Today we got Scoozy in the building. What's up, man? Oh, what's up? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. How you feeling? I feel great. It's a lovely day. It might snow in Virginia, but besides that, it's <laughs> like hopefully it's snow here then. Maybe. It's possible. I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to go on too long. I was just checking the weather now just to see what it's going to be like when we get back up there. And apparently it's snowing in Richmond. So we're going to see. I mean, if the temperature picks up throughout the day, I, I doubt it's going to stay like that. But we'll see. Are you cool with snow or not? Nah? Um, the, the kid in me loves the snow. But as an adult, well, actually, let me change that up. Because the last time I had to deal with snow, I still had a regular job. I feel like now that I'm like, just work for me. It might be different. Like, I'm like, all right, now nah, we just turned up. We just going to have a good time. We can go outside and kick some snow, you know, knock over some children or something. Like, yeah, turn up. Yo, that's funny. So speaking of where you're from in the snow, tell everybody where you're from. So um, I'll say this. I live in Petersburg, Virginia, uh -huh. which for those who don't know is just south of Richmond, Virginia. I'm from Newport News, Virginia. Okay. Um, By way of... Oxford, North Carolina on my mother's side. Yeah. And then St. Thomas on my father's side. And well, I was born in D.C. Okay. Born in D.C. Where, like, so your formative years, like elementary, middle school, where was that at? Mostly Newport News. Mostly. Okay. Okay. Um, thankfully, my, my parents were really big on making sure I was around my family. So I did spend a lot of time growing up in Oxford and also in St. Thomas, too. So mostly now, as far as school is concerned, like that, I went to the school system in Newport News. But but you were still coming to North Carolina and going around and make sure you were close to your family. Exactly. What was it like growing up? Um, It was pretty cool, I would say. Uh, I had what I would find as an enjoyable childhood. I would say the only thing was since I was, I was a military kid, which is why I was in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, excuse me, Virginia, uh, my dad was in the Army. My mom was in the Army for a little bit. So um, very used to making new friends and stuff like that. Thankfully, we didn't move around as much as most people did. Most people move like every two, four years. Yeah. But um, a lot of my friends did. So definitely used to making new friends and everything like that. But um, but it was fun. Newport News is a very diverse area, I think, because of the Army. So I grew up with all different types of people, mostly black, of course. But then, you know, I grew up with a lot of Puerto Ricans. Um, We've got Koreans over there. we got white people, obviously. So um, and thankfully, everybody's culture is very apparent there. So I um. Even though I wasn't, you know, in the Caribbean, they have a lot of heavy Caribbean influence in Newport News. And then, of course, when I get to go back home, I get that, too. So I was still very in contact with my culture, along with a lot of other people's, too. So very, you know, diverse. So what culture outside of your own did you, like, connect to the most? Uh, 
it's hard to say, honestly. Because I would say I'm very, very in touch with my Caribbean culture, heavy. But again, that's yeah. my culture, though. Um, but I feel like if I wasn't, it'd still be there. Um, I used to kick it with some Puerto Ricans, real, real heavy. But also, my family is like just a smidge on my grandma's side. That's where she's from. Because um, Puerto Rico and St. Thomas are literally 15 minutes from each other. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, that's not as prevalent in my family, but definitely growing up, I got to be around a lot of that as well, too. And we talked about it, too, with church culture as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so you grew up in church, too? Nah, not really. But <laughs> everybody around me was. Yeah. So that was something that's like, I think both my parents were raised in their own ways. And like my mom, she heavy Baptist background. Again, we talked about Oxford. Yeah. So I'm sure you can imagine. Yes. Uh, my dad is uh, comes from Catholic background. Okay. So um, my family in St. Thomas are French immigrants. They're um immigrants from St. Barth's. So a lot of them came there in the early 1900s to get um, citizenship, American citizenship, because uh-huh. it's a U.S. territory like Puerto Rico. Yeah. So a lot of them, they, we got one church that's been there forever, is, uh, St. Anne's, and all we've all been baptized in that church. But I was so, because again, being around my mom's mom at Oxford. Yeah. Do you ever see like those little, pa- I don't know if they still make them, but they're little pamphlets and they're like very scary. Like they're just like, you got to give it up to Jesus or you're going to hell. And it's like a demon <laughs> randomly in there. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, they used, my grandma used to have them around the house all the time. I was like, they give these. And I was an adult. I'm like, y'all gave that out to people? Yeah, I saw that when was, I was six and I was like. Hey, they were probably knocking on doors, giving them to people. Yeah. I, like I told my mom, I was like, yo, have you heard about getting baptized? And she was like, yeah, you're, you've been baptized. Like, Yo, we run it back. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I was with dad's people. I need to get with y'all too. Like, because I got, again, Catholic baptism. But I'm like, yo, give me the, I need to get dunked. I dipped so in the water, I, yeah. So I got double baptized. I got baptized when I was uh, born, like when I was a baby. And then I got baptized, Baptist, when I was, I had to have been like six or seven. But I requested it. <laughs> I was like, yo, let's set this up. Like, let's make it happen. And everybody was so proud, but it was straight fear. I'm like, yo. I... But I'm glad it happened, though, because it was yeah, a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your Caribbean background for yeah. a minute. So you're half Caribbean, full Caribbean. What? What's what's the story there? Um, Half, technically. So, yeah, because my father, he's, you. they call him Frenchies. Okay. It's literally just like. But the French immigrants over there. Okay. But, um, that's in St. Thomas. And then, of course, that's its own mix because, like, his mother's mix. His mom is half Puerto Rican, half Frenchie. Um, that's a whole Frenchie. My mother is black, North Carolina, obviously. Yeah. Um, You know, you know, everybody's, you know, I'm a third Cherokee and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's mixed in there somewhere. So. so it's a nice halfway split. Yeah. Is there anything that comes from your Caribbean culture that you don't see in America culture, especially like with your father? Like, do you see any differences in lifestyle or discipline or rules or anything like that? Uh, It's hard to say because it's like, I feel like a lot of dad, I can't speak for white folks just because it's not my <laughs> background, but like, yeah. as far as like most dads are dads, honestly. Yeah. They just in different ways. And it's funny because like when you, what I like about social media now is people like do joking videos of like, my Caribbean dad early in the morning, you hear like dude choking in the bathroom trying to like brush his teeth. <laughs> but it's like, I think it's everybody dad. Like a lot of like dads get up or be like mad disciplinary. I'll say um, my dad, what I noticed with him is like his balance is crazy because he was really on me. He, he was like very big disciplinary, but he turned up too. Like he okay. party hard. <laughs> but yeah. he won't like, I'm on outside. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like he was like, oh my my dad turns up, so I turn up. Nah, 
Nah, that didn't happen. <laughs> so I would say the discipline was like real. He was real strict, but he was also like, I've seen him turn up crazy. Yeah. What's what's one of the things that he taught you as a child that you still carry with you today? Initiative. He said that word so much, it's still like stuck in my head. Because he used to like just like, if I walk past like a full trash can, he's like, you need to take the initiative. And he say initiative, but also uh, very important context. My dad was a drill sergeant too. So that's very important context. That's d- very, very yeah. important. Yeah, he was a, a drill sergeant and he was a first sergeant. Um, so yeah, he was he was in the army until um, he was like 41, 42. And it's crazy because I remember when I was younger, I was like, man, he's so old. And now I'm like, yo, I'm like, you retired at 41? That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, and he still works for the military now. That's like his his uh, civilian job. But, um, but yeah, so he was. An initiative was the thing that sticks with you. Oh yeah, I mean it's a lot, of, a lot of different stuff. I mean, of course, it's you know, learn what to do, what not to do is important. And he he told me that too. He'd be like, "Look, don't do, don't take this type of advice from me." So, but um, initiative yeah. was a was thing. And then what I learned too from him is like even on like a more serious note, with like how much I've seen him turn up or do certain things, like you can. Just because you see people do certain things that maybe might not align with other people's lifestyle doesn't mean you can't learn stuff from them. Yeah. And I, I've seen that a lot, too, with people like Kevin Hart's a good example. Like, I've seen when he had the whole cheating thing. I see mad people like, I, mean, I can't learn nothing from Kevin. Like, I'm, I mean, don't take relationship advice, but <laughs> he's doing all right. Like, I'm pretty sure you could get some financial advice from him. So yeah. that's the other thing, too, is just like as I've gotten older, learning the, the dichotomy of my parents of just like, yeah, those are my parental figures, and like I can't take everything from them. They're not perfect, but I can learn a lot from them. Mm. Um, I've heard the expression like "don't throw the baby out with the bathwater." Have you ever heard that? Yeah, and like to, or like um, chew the meat, spit out the bones. Pause, but yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I, but the, and the crazy thing is, I've never thought about it with parents. Yeah. Like you're bringing an idea to me that I think is important because most people that I know either idolize their parents or demonize their parents. Yeah. I've never heard a person say, I'm going to take what I can. I'm going to learn the good. I'm going to embrace the qualities that will help me. And then the things that don't align with who I become. I just let it be what it is. But those are still my parents and I love them. Yeah. And I think it takes some. It, it was look, it was a balance for me because I was on either side because I was chasing my parents validation for a long time because they're both like the the best of both of their sides of family. Like, in my opinion, no disrespect to my aunties, aunties. but um, they're both like the oldest on both sides. They're both like we're doing really well for themselves very early and stuff. So I felt like there was a lot of pressure on me, not even just from them, but on myself that it was like. I try so much to make them proud so often. And like when I felt like I wasn't getting it, it was really. You, can we curse? Oh, yes. No, you got, you know. <laughs> Just want to be natural, but keep it cool too. But um, but yeah, no, nah, it's like it was times when I like, if I felt like I was fucking up or something like that, I took it real personal. And then when I did do good and they wasn't supporting me in the ways I would have liked it, it was mess. It was like, it really hurt me. So I got to a point, like I had got to a point at, at, at one time in my life where it was just like nothing was working for me. I just, I couldn't be in school no more. Uh, my parents, I didn't know they were in a, in the process of splitting up at the time. So like I'm taking it personal because they not really messing with me at the time. I, I went through some real shit with them and just me and personal. And at, at one point I was just like, 
man, fuck everybody, yo. It's about me. I'm I gotta do cause like for example, like rapping, I didn't I didn't want to rap because I was embarrassed about what that would sound like as a profession. Like I was like, I can't court no woman to be like, oh, I'm a rapper. I don't know if you ever heard of one of those. Like, <laughs> like I just felt so corny saying it, but that was what was bringing me peace. And it was like, it wasn't like I couldn't do other stuff musically. And of course, as I've gotten older, I've learned different ways to, you know, make it work for me. But I had to like come to terms with the fact that it was like, it wasn't that I didn't want to rap. It was just, I was just embarrassed and I felt like I wasn't going to, be like good good for my family my mom can't be like she can't be proud of that yeah and then once i was like respectfully i love y'all but you know and i don't mean this but fuck y'all but (laughs) it's just the the term i love i have a great relationship with my parents now my mom's gonna see that and be like all right bro you gotta come on i saw i saw that that podcast you did i'm just the term i don't mean that for real but it just more in the sense that like I couldn't be worried about nobody else. It was just about, I had to like see what made me happy and then we'll go from there. Yes. So let's talk about it for a second. First, I want to talk about what happened that caused that division between your parents. And then how did rapping come in and kind of help that along? Yeah. Like my division with me from my parents? Yes. Like what yeah. happened that made you be like, this is this is going bad? It, it was um erosion. It was just over time. And then eventually it was something like there are countless little events like um, I knew when, like, for example, I went the school I went to. So I lived in Newport News, but then we moved to Williamsburg, which is just like where white people go to die. It's like a really nice area. <laughs> I don't know how familiar y'all are with like. No, yeah, like but that's Jamestown, hilarious that. because I have no clue. Yeah, it just sounds wild. It's like the first capital I think of um I think before Richmond was the capital, Williamsburg was the first capital. Okay, okay. So it's an old town. Okay, I got you. But uh, but yeah, but white people love to go there and vacation, which is wild because they have like it's like where you see, oh, this is where we kept the slaves, and this was because like a lot of things. And I'm glad they're seeing it on social media too. Like Virginia, your first um like a lot of people's first field trip is you go to Jamestown, yeah, and you pick the cotton. That's like I don't hope they don't do that anymore. But that was like a thing. I didn't know the picking the cotton was yeah, in there. I do know about Jamestown as a field trip, but I didn't know about the picking the cotton. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, that's wild. But um, but what was I about to say? But yeah, so anywho, um, we moved to Williamsburg. So Newport News to Williamsburg is like, I don't even know. What to, are you familiar with Newport News at all? Newport News, I'm a little bit familiar with. Yes. Not the safest place in the world. It's <laughs> it's cool now, but um, it's a very big... I went from, like again, having that type of mixed... like background and whatnot to black white like it's literally mm. just mostly white kids i think the school i ended up at it was maybe 30 percent black three mexicans and the chinese dude sprinkled in like it was not diverse at all but anywho um i switched schools or whatever but i stayed at the school i was at newport news because they had a magnet program and i was really focused on playing sax that's my my other thing that i do too okay yeah so i was really really focused on that and i remember i had got accepted to this um music honor society uh try m and I put together my first recital. I had was trash. And what grade is this? Uh, tenth and eleventh. Okay, cool. Yeah, so okay, tenth. I had, but I never had formal musical like training. I just always had went through just you know school system. Yeah. Um, not that my parents are musicians. Okay. So um, I didn't know a lot of these kids that are like in the honor society. They've been like playing violin or trumpet <laughs> since they was like three, four years old. They have outside like practice. I'm like, I go home and I practice. Like that's my practice. But anywho, um, my first recital was trash, and my parents told me. Like they I, they came with me and they was just like man yo, that was garbage, 
That was that was which I appreciate them being honest. It's now that we're all older and better, there are better ways to do that. But I appreciate the honesty. But so, back then it hurt. Oh, it it was so bad. Cause it was. Cause it really was. It was like, you know, if you're playing and it's not going well, that was like, I was like, this is not going good. And we got in the car and it was like, wow, that was that was terrible. It was like, you, did you practice at all? I'm like, yeah. Did you practice at all? So the second one, I was like, all right, I'm I'm gonna get it. So, so because they said it was terrible, you had to get better. Like, oh, yeah. did it make you like, nah, the next one, I'm going to kill it? Oh, yeah. So I was like, I really, and the thing was, I arranged my my next one. Because the first one, it was like classical. I played like the old guard or something like that. And I was like, nah, we're, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so the, the second one, it was a Christmas thing. And I played, um, I did an arrangement of green sleeves. Uh, my favorite thing is the John Coltrane version. Mm. And um, it was uh, around about midnight. Okay. And I I made the arrangement. I like this is my junior year. I had my friend play drums. It was lit. And then I'm like getting like mad compliments. Like, yo, that was crazy. My parents didn't come. So that like <sighs> real that shit like broke my heart. But it made me kind of like realize too. I was like, all right, why are you doing this stuff? So that was like the first little chip. And then little moments after that, where it's like there's some support here, there's not support there, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the what really what was it, the straw that broke the camel's back? Yes. I want to mess that up. Yes, that's like, it. Yeah, that's the right term. Man, the back in the camel it just like <laughs> broke down. But I was in school. I was at Hampton, and mm-hmm. I was like doing everything to stay in school. So I was on music scholarship. I was on academic scholarship. Messed up my grades. Lost that. I joined the military. I was in the National Guard because I. Had been told they was gonna pay for school. Apparently they don't. <laughs> they just give you money. Like it'd be like if I'm like, yo, I'm gonna take you out to dinner. All right, bet. And I give you ten dollars and drop you off at Red Lobster. Like you'll figure it out. You get some biscuits. That's the that's what the guard does. But anyway, okay. I'm going through all this, trying to just figure stuff out, and eventually I just I had to drop out, like just because of finances. And then um my dad, we had this moment where he like. We linked up. And this ain't no, like, secret. I have a song about it. Okay. Conversation on the parking lot. It's on all streaming platforms. Let's go. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit older. And, and me and him have talked about this, too. But essentially, I didn't know what was going on with them. But he had, like, picked me up one day. Not picked me up, but he wanted to link up one day and was just like, hey, I got to drop some stuff off to you. I'm like, all right, cool. And we couldn't get in contact because, like, I was so broke at the time. I didn't have, like, a real phone. I had a Sprint service. Like, like I was on a family plan. And I would go on eBay and get, like, a real cheap phone. And I would just keep switching them out. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I wasn't on social media, none of that. Okay. But, um, but yeah, so we, we linked up one day. And we got in the car. And it was just pretty much him just shitting on me. Like, he was just mm. like, damn, you, you're drunk. I can smell gin on your breath. He mom like 21. So I did turn up that before. <laughs> I'm like, nigga, you get drunk, too. What? <laughs> But he like, and I'm like, that's the main was He's just like, yeah, well, you know, I know you just got out of school. Um, keep on, I just got out like the month prior. Okay, he was like, so uh, here's all the bills that you didn't know about, like uh, you know, your cell phone stuff. And I'm like, damn, I could have just stayed on playing, get you bread, <laughs> like health insurance. And as crazy as this is when the the Obama stuff happened, so you could stay on your people's health insurance until you're 26. Yeah, I was like, I was like 22. And he was just like. Sorry about that, player. And this was just like, yeah, here are all your bills, which is like, I'm not against responsibility, but I feel like maybe you could wean somebody into it. That's not just like, hey, yo, I'm about to hit him with this today. Like, <laughs> damn, homie. So that happened. I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going to figure it out. I'm grown. It's all right. He was like, yeah, by the way, uh, me and your mom getting a divorce. I'm like, oh, right. goddamn. And so I, <laughs> and then he was like, but I, I promise you, this is all in succession. He's like, also, I don't think you're my kid. So I really could use you getting a DNA test. I really appreciate that. It's like a five minute conversation. 
So I started crying, and he looked at me and was like, why are you crying? And I was just like, okay, fuck you for real. Like this, <laughs> this day, like, I this this is not cool. So I had to deal with that. But then um, I was having similar, my mom wasn't nowhere near that cold, but she was starting to distance herself. And I could tell anytime you come in the crib, because like our people from St. Thomas would come, like my grandma, my grandfather, some of my aunt, they come stay with us for like the summer. So they was with us and I came to visit the house. one. Like at this point, I'm not calling nobody. I'm not really showing up. I'm just outside taking care of my business. Yeah. So I came by just, you know, make sure I see my, my grandma, my grandfather. And it's the house was cold. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's just different. And I can see it's like, all right, this is like for real, for real. And then my mom just kind of distanced herself too. But I mean, now that I'm older and stuff, you know, I get it. Like they're all processing, going through what they're going through. But all those things just led up to me, like, and again, it just other things like spiritually matching up. And so I'm like, yeah, I didn't have no money, so I couldn't stay in the apartment I was staying. In. I ended up staying at my friend Veronica's apartment, which is also an album that I have on all streaming platforms. But it is Let's Veronica's go. apartment. <laughs> it's about that whole time period. Yeah. But, um, but that's why I wrote about it was because it was so imperative. So I'm in her crib, just like trying to figure out like what do I want. And then at the same time, I'm seeing like different rap interviews like uh J. Cole. That was like right before 2014, Forest Hills came out. And he's talking about similar stuff as far as like his mental, like reading certain books and things like that. So I found like the seven spiritual laws of success. Yeah. I started getting more in contact with myself spiritually and figuring out what that meant to me. And the biggest question for myself was just like, all right, well, what what do you want? So I just I was just in the crib and I just treated it like like jail. Like I was getting diesel. I was just working out all the time. My uh my metabolism had worn off, but it was cool because I got bulky and then yeah. later in life it didn't work. I got real chubby. I didn't know that you gotta keep working out. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't have to worry about that. I had abs at the time, so it was yeah, cool. Yeah. But yeah, but I so my body was good, my mind was good. Um, and then I started looking at how to start really doing music stuff serious. Cause it's like 2015, so we don't have as much information as we have now, but still more. It than, was still more, yeah. Than previously, so I really just looked into like, like my first project was like at that time I had projects before, but my first serious project it was called Amusing, and I pressed up all the CDs. I had like didn't really have any like more connects with my friends as far as music, so I produced the whole project myself. I mixed it, and I had been doing that, but some of the things I didn't have to do at that point, I was like, don't nobody want to fuck with me. That's cool. I'm I like I love me. I'm proud of me. I'm gonna work yeah. with me. So and then it was also not just to do it for myself to show myself, but I was coming up with really good business plans. Like at the time, like this is probably the last leg of physical CDs. I knew dudes was at the open mic selling them for like five, ten dollars. And of course you stayed there and everybody's like, only five dollars. And I'm like, all right, it's fifty cent a piece. And like due to like some of my previous business organizations, I knew how to like <laughs> I like I knew like people had a wrong idea of a re-up. Everybody's yeah. thinking like Okay, well, I can sell the CD for ten. I'm like, well, you don't have to. You splitting, which the money that you coming in I only takes me fifty cent a CD. If I do a dollar, I'm not just breaking even. I'm making double what I already spent. Yeah, and I look, and I'm undercutting everybody else. So I, I got a lot of my CDs out of that time just off of just that little business plan. And ever since then, it's just it's honestly since that moment, 2015, it's just been me figuring it out and like developing and developing and, and moving up from there. Like to this day, that's how we here. You know, yeah. what I mean? watching and listening and paying attention. Absolutely. So, what was going on in your life? How many projects do you have out now? Um, I hate to be ghetto, but let's take a look. Let's let's look and yeah, see. Yeah, I'll let's say see. what's let's a, see. what's available versus what there yeah. is because that's something too that I'm about to to do also. Um, I'll give them a second. Oh yeah, because I need to know. Because the EPs, you know, they put them separate. Yes. 
So is it coming up? There's three albums out. There's actually four. Okay. One of them's about to come back up. It's an older project. Okay. Um, EPs we got. One, two, three. Yeah. So six projects, not including singles. Uh huh. Um, three full, three EPs, soon to be seven. Again, not new, just putting the old stuff back out. Um, I have a website where you can like. If you want to purchase my projects from me specifically, you can do that. So some of the Dope. stuff from the mixtape eras that didn't get put on like actual DSPs, I'm gonna upload it there. So if people do want to purchase go. that, you know, you can. And granted, granted, it's not the the best stuff because like I'm putting out way better things now. But some people, it's memento. Some people like it. For the people who were supporting me or in college at that time, it's like yeah, you know, it's like going back. Like oh, I remember when I drank four locos. Like <laughs> that was that was fun. And I made music during that time. Hello? <laughs> Memories. <laughs> so between the first official project that you mentioned mm-hmm. and the one that you put out after that, what was going on in your life to get you from one thing to another musically? And like the backstory of it all too. Honestly, I got my shit together. Like I as as an adult, because I that was when I went from like being comfortable staying on the homie's couch to being like, again, how do I'm like cause I've been really good at deductive reasoning over my life. Like, okay, what do I want and what's preventing me from getting there? So I knew, like, from there even until now, my big, I think everybody's issue has always been debt. So I was like, okay, how can I minimize my debt so I can put more into my lifestyle and more into the music? So I got, uh, I think my first job at that time, I worked at Sprint. I was like, okay. was like a sales. Person. Okay, wait. At the end of the day, I would need to be comfortable with myself more. And because I felt like in order for me to be my true self or in order for me to have a big impact on the world, I need to be with a group of people that I know when that's not the case. I was kind of scared at first because I felt like I was going to miss them. My parents have told me many times that I have gifts and I need to use it and like people wish they could do what I do and I was like "Mm, I don't want to do that since I was really young I really like to speak and make people feel better in life and it's just something I enjoy hi this is Nay and that was Nay's Place if you want to catch more search Nay's Place on Apple Podcasts Spotify and RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. When you worked at Sprint, did you get a better phone? Oh, yeah. That was okay, the good. first thing. I think good. I asked that in my interview. <laughs> I was like, can I get a... I had a BlackBerry. <laughs> this And this was like way beyond BlackBerry time. So I was just like, can I... Like, how soon can I get a phone? It was like, I mean... I mean next... You want to work next week? I'm like, yo, this... Let me... That day... <laughs> Please, my my first Instagram post looked crazy because it was very like not okay trap phone like graphics. But yeah, I definitely got a phone as soon as okay. I got there. So you start working that sprint. You iPhone your 5s. Life. Oh, that let's first go. Yeah. So you getting your life together? Yeah, but yeah. So um, but yeah, everything it just kind of fell in line. My first thing was to get back into school, so mm-hmm. I made up enough money. I got in. And I was like, this is trash. Mm. And at least for now, like I ain't against education, but I was like, uh, for what I'm trying to do is not lining up at the time. And then I um I got another job. I started working at Navy Federal. So mm. I became a banker. Oh yeah, uh, you you coming up? 
Yeah. That's a come and up. And so the whole time, I'm just, I'm feeding into myself and I'm like, and I'm doing projects at the same time. So the, the music went well for me. It wasn't the best quality. And it's crazy because at the time, um, my friends I've seen by April and Vista, they're doing well. And I'm like, man, I'm submitting to all the same blogs. How the fuck? They doing good and I'm not doing whole time just my music wasn't that good yet. <laughs> and now that I'm I'm older and I'm looking back and I'm like, okay, I'm glad I was that confident that I was like, man, y'all crazy. But I'm like, this it, <laughs> it really wasn't good. Nah, it was okay, but it just wasn't it wasn't that good. They yeah. shit was like good, good. Yeah. But um but yeah, so um excuse me. <clears throat> no, I just good. kept um just working. Um I did my second project was called Infinite Vibes from the Lands of Finesse. Mm-hmm. And um that was what really did it for me because I had um I remember even the the cover art I was just learning just to tap in with people better. Like, um, I was learning more about art and minimalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no one's really doing like art, art for their stuff, or at least current art. It's just you know, and then even if it looks good, it's usually high quality, but it's not tapped into the scene. So there was this artist um named Ash Schmidt in Australia. I followed, mm-hmm. and he had this um painting that he did that was um it was the scene from Frank Ocean. Um, pyramids. Okay, where it's like every pyramids, the whole song he put it into one piece. Mm. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's dope. So I hit him. I didn't even think he was going to respond because at this time I probably got less than a thousand followers. He got like twelve thousand. I'm just like, hey, I love your art. What can I do to work on um artwork with you? And he hit me right back, and it was just like, hey, just this, this, and that, this much money. And uh, the cover was. And I just thought the most random thing I could think of. He's like, what you want to do? I'm like, I want it to be me with an octopus on a pit bull leash. And he was just like, okay. I can't really draw the leash. So I'm like, okay, just meet with the octopus. And then that's this yes. what we have now to this day. And that became part of my brand too. So I just I just learned how to make bread off of it. Like I started doing merch. I linked up with, I knew a dude who did merch. Um, I was in a, a really good studio at the time. Like I didn't need to be in a studio, but it was just all the people in the 7-5, like for, and for those who don't know, seven five is Hampton Roads area, Newport News, Hampton, uh, where some of your favorites, Michael Vick to Pharrell, were all from that area. That's seven five. <laughs> so um, a lot of the bigger um, entrepreneurs and different like uh, artists and stuff was all within the studio, upper room studio. Shout out to the upper room. Yeah. And I met a lot of good people in there. A lot of people I'm still cool with to this day. And again, I didn't even use a lot of the equipment sometimes. Sometimes I just bring my stuff there just to be like in that environment. Yeah, like y'all let me get a room. And um and then at the same time too, I was just hungry and and very disrespectful. I was honestly I was very upset that a lot of people wasn't fucking with me. Like there's a, I'm not gonna say we could talk about it off air, but it's it's part of the story. That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah, but there, I'm a very was very close with someone who's very very well known now. Okay, and at the time I was very I wouldn't say bitter. I would say bitter. I was yeah, bitter. you had a chip on your shoulder, but yeah, it's okay. It's sure. okay though. I was hot, but it was one of them things where it was like. One person does better, and you stuck back here. It's like, fuck. But, it's, but then everybody stops fucking with you, too. And that was what really started to eat me up. And it was just so hard, like, at the time, like, just trying. Because because I was so diverse, and I play saxophone, rap, can kind of almost sing-ish. Yeah. So, like, people put me on, like, R&B shows, but it's not that. And I couldn't get, like, open mic features. I would go to open mics. They put me at the bottom of the list. So I, and then the whole time, like, you know, the homie that you homie in, Says something disrespectful and then acts like you don't exist no more. So the so the homie that end up being someone that we know well f- kind of changed up on you. 
I yeah, I was gonna be nice about it. Cause I've been being nice for a while now. No, don't yeah, be nice. We won't say the person's name. Yeah, but you can tell the whole truth except that part. Yeah, except yeah. The name. Essentially, I kept up the support because I didn't want to be one of those friends that was just like, well, I don't want to be the bitter homie that didn't make it. So every um, every time I see him, I'm a build, I'm a big him up. And then at one point, they had a video shoot. They invited me to. I'm like, bet. All right, we're still cool. And then t- to this mm, kind of, I would say from that day for a while. I didn't hear from them like for like a long, long time. And then one of um, my friends who's a really good DJ now, uh, she was cool with some people I was cool with. Because essentially what we would do back in the day is they went to ODU. I was at Hampton. Okay. So I would come to ODU and um, sell products and services to some of their friends. Yes. And then through that, too, I did a lot of networking. So like I'd perform at their open mics and stuff like that. And then when we had events at Hampton, I would extend the same grace to him. So he met a lot of people through me. I got you. Um, including Earth Gang, by the way. Shout out to Earth Gang. Yeah. They are nice. They are cool people. So I will shout them out. <laughs> I appreciate y'all for being so nice to me back then. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that situation. They uh, one of them had went to an event of his in North Carolina actually to to um to like yo go support him, and they brought me up like yo your man's is doing pretty good, and he's like who. And it's not like one of them situations where it's like, you don't know that I know this person. It's like, we've all hung out many, many times. So it was a <laughs> acting like they didn't know you. Yeah. On top of also never speaking to me. Like, like and to keep my mom reaching out, like, yo, proud of you, bro. I'm glad that you're doing this. Happy birthday. I don't know his family. I'm like, talk to, I, his family talked to me, but he won't talk to me. So it's like that being nice shit for so long. And then you hear that. And I'm like, all right, bet. Fuck all y'all. Mm. I'm going in, and I'm, but I'm going to write about it so that I'm like expressing it the right way. And the, the only thing that sucked about the experience was other people who were feeling the same way took it and went with it. So as opposed to me just expressing myself, other people was like, yeah, that you're not famous because of this person's not doing that. And it's like, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm like, no way. I didn't say that. And then it turned to like, yo, fuck this person. And mad people just was like, to me, it turned into a lot of people who weren't where they wanted to be started blaming this person for that and it's like okay that's what i was trying to avoid because that's corny yes and a lot of people feel like let's let's talk about that for a second because when you grow up with somebody like one of my closest friends is doing really well as a bass player right he and i grew up with a whole gang of musicians like literally like spent a lot of time together um did a lot of music together did studio sessions together so we together um it was always very 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 evident that he was a little in some instances a lot more ahead so his moves, his work ethic, his decisions, even as teenagers, it became very, very apparent that he out of here. Yeah. It only takes an opportunity, a phone call, some situation, and he's out of here. So once the situation does come and he's out of here, we're all happy. Yeah. And I know for me, it's like you're super proud, you're super happy, and then... It's that little thing of hoping and wishing there's an opportunity for him to put the homies on. Right. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that don't. 
And the biggest thing that I learned in that situation is he did what he had to do to get where he is. And sometimes situations don't occur that allow people to have that type of power. Yeah. And even if they have that type of power, we can get caught up on growing up with people, forgetting that the that person who becomes successful know his homies. Right. So even though we grew up together and even though you can play, I know all of you. I knew what it took for me to get here. And I know what will happen if I put you on because I know you. And I think that that's the part that stings. Like you say, it's just like just knowing. But that was what I had to make peace with, too, was it's just like especially like after dealing with the storm of unwanted support that yes. came from that. Because that was the wrong type of because it got to the point that like anytime because that person kind of burned their bridge with where they're from as mm-hmm. far as Newport News goes. Um, it's something like the people who do rock with them either don't know them like that or whatever. And um and me and me and them have talked since then. We're okay, not, good. We're not like friends or nothing. But um they sent, I, well I'm gonna just say because we here and it's, I, I was about to be cool. But anyways they sent me something and it really pissed me off but they said it in a nice way. Mm. Essentially when I went off to basic to basic training, I had left them because we had a collective kind of like what you described too. Yeah. As far as like not just musicians but musicians, rappers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I was kind of at the forefront of it. So I left him with a, a big list of stuff that like, hey, if you do these things, we all going to be straight by the time I come out because I got like a couple months and essentially they didn't do any of those things. Mm. When I didn't hold it against them, I wrote everybody. I was, I was lonely. This person, like when I, this might have been two, maybe a year or two ago, they randomly DM me on Instagram with a video and dude was just like, hey, bro, I know you probably hate me, man, but hey, I was just looking at these letters that you sent me from when you was in basic 10 years ago. And, um, you know, you really had the, the right idea, bro. You know, now that I am where I am, I realize this would have worked. And, uh, you know, yeah, it sucks I didn't do that and stuff. It's like, I hope you're doing well. And I'm just like, ah, therapy. I'm like, hey, bro, I don't hate you. Nigga, but <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm proud of you. I'm glad to see someone that looks like me where I'm from go, and that's what ended up being because um there was like a thing on Twitter one day where like a lot of people where I was from was bashing him. But for what I don't know if he he did an interview or something and it, it, he said something that didn't add up. I don't know. But at this point, I was already over it. Yeah. And someone had like mad people was tagging me like, "Yo, do you see such and such say such and such?" And I just had to let him know. I, I tagged him too. I'm like, "Look, I don't care. I'm like I'm not going." continue or encourage the face in somebody that's from where I'm from that looks like what I look like. Yeah. It's hard enough to do music as it is. Whatever, look, he got the ball, whatever he did with it, that's his business. Yeah. I'm, proud, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of whoever comes from where I'm from. But yeah. just don't include me in any more of the nonsense. I, I don't I don't care and I don't want that to be it. Because it's corny at the end of the day. Yeah, it, 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 ends, up, it ends up corny. Like, even, even in the situation where it did hurt, you're responsible for your response. Damn sure. And if you have the mind to be successful, if you know how to run a business, if you know how to come up with ideas and concepts that can move you and other people forward, if you don't quit, you're going to be successful. And when you have that mind, you say, hey, man, if it is on me, I'm cool, no matter how long it takes. And from this day forward, I'm not going to expect anything from anybody, even if they the homie. And that's a lesson. It's like that's like the ultimate self-reliance. It's like because and then 
even for my situation personally, if we tie that into my relationship with my parents, me trying with school, me trying all these things, plus that, it ultimately leads up to you are perfectly able, able, <laughs> able and capable to do all these things on your own. Yes. And it's more about like appreciating yourself and say, that's like, I celebrate myself every chance I get. Yes. Like my parents, they're like way more supportive and stuff now. Like my mom bought my album. I think she was the first person to bought my album. She likes it. And she don't even listen to music like that. So I was just telling her like, um, I had just got to a certain amount of streams and it was my first time getting that many and she was like well, when we get to a certain amount we turning up we celebrate i'm like yeah i'm like well it's going fast so you know let's, let's get ready yeah so um so i'm i'm proud of me my people's just proud of me i can't look i mean obviously i'm not where i want to be yet not in a negative way it's just there's always somewhere to go it's always yes. growth yes so yeah i can't complain i'm gonna talk shit though but yeah. <laughs> listen and the, the the thing about it is what you end up well i'm gonna say what i've learned and you tell me if it's the same for you. Yeah. What I end up learning is it's actually better for me to not have gotten it through nobody else. Yeah. It's like, even if it take longer, it's sweeter because sometimes the wrong person putting you on can get ugly because then it's the, I made you. Man. It's the, you wouldn't be here if I did not blankety blank blank blank. And you you, you never know what how anything's gonna affect you. Too. And I will say in regards to that too, because like and not to pick on that person, but it's just for the sake yes, of the conversation. The sake of the conversation. That person was linked up with someone, excuse me, that um said some disparaging remarks about Mac Miller after he passed. So it was like once that happened, I was like, whew, man. Sucks to be friends with that homie. Like that's that's crazy. But um, but but like stuff like just like you said, you never know. Like when you attach yourself to, it, especially once we get into branding and being certain people, you never know what can happen another way. And also, you might not be ready for that blessing just yet. You like, I know me if I, cause I'm 31 now. If I was at where I wanted to be at 20, cause like when all this happened, I was probably like between 24, 26. If I got popping to the level I wanted to at that time, I would not have been able to handle it. Come on, bro. I probably would have fumbled that. So everything's that's, for a reason. That's another part of that whole thing that we failed to realize. It's like we all develop at different paces. Yeah. So you can have somebody who spent every day with you. Who's ready for a big stage that you're not ready for at the same age? Oh, yeah. And it's like, can you be, are you self-aware enough? And are you honest enough with yourself to say, I ain't ready yet? Yeah. And at the time, I could have sworn I was. But, like, I know me, I need, I like order and chaos. Like, I like chaotic stuff when it's, like, happening. Like, as far as, like, the shows and stuff, but at the same time, there's order to it. But my personal life, I like barring. Like, I don't want no whole bunch of stuff going on. I like consistency. I like the same things. Like, I, I'm very happy in the crib. Like, that's what I'm doing in between. I'm gonna go home and kick it. I'm chilling, and then I'm gonna go do the next thing I gotta do. But it's just because my shows and, like, the performance and the musical part of my life is, like, and I don't mean chaotic in a bad way. I mean, like, it's action and stuff going on. Yeah. Like, for example, this week, I'm playing I'm playing sax at a Mexican restaurant on Tuesday. Yeah. I'm DJing and playing sax at, like, a, a version of Hooters on Thursday. Yeah. I'm doing something rap-related on Friday, I believe, and then Sunday, I'm playing 
of relaxing R and B at a yoga spot. Let's go. I love the like it's different. Yeah. Like that that serves me. But in between that, I don't want no whole bunch of mess going on. I don't need no like I'm cool. I've I've had all the homies, the hoes, drinking, all that. I'm like and not to say I have a good time. I turn up, but it's like that one day. Like I don't need Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm trying to watch horror movies and drink tea. I'm chilling. <laughs> so what got you to the point where you decided, okay, in my personal life, when I'm not working, I prefer boring? Uh, just um, process of elimination over time. Just leaning into what feels good versus what feels comfortable. Like, because I was, and again, I, it, other things, too, again, to go back to my dad, like how I grew up and certain things that I've seen. Because, like, i seen a lot of, like, the turn up when I was growing up. And it's funny because when I was younger, because I saw people drinking and acting an ass so much, I didn't drink till I was a lot. Like, probably till I was, like, 21, 22. And it's always been available to me. But I never did no drugs. I never drank, really, until I got into college to a certain extent. And then when I got to that point, I noticed I had an issue with excess like, I always just go a little too far or I turn up a little too much. And it, when it got to the point that it's, like, affected my shows or, like, like I remember I, I blacked out during a performance one time. And I had a couple people complain to me about it. Like, And I'm a very good performer. So I take a lot of pride in my performance. And when that happens, one, it's embarrassing, for one. And then for two, it's just, like, I had to reevaluate myself and just be, like, I remember when there was a time where... I didn't have the opportunity to perform anywhere. Like, there were open mics that didn't let me do it. Like, back then, I was still trying to do shows in 2012, 2013, but, like, people were trying to rent their spaces out. I remember I had a, uh, I was trying to do a back-to-school concert because I couldn't afford to stay in school. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do a concert to raise money so I can get back in school. And I had, uh, like, and keep, I'm going to local restaurants and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, I got sound. I just need the place. And there was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll just charge you $1,000. And then, um, you know, we just need 60% of the food and drinks. I'm like, bro, why do you think I have $1,000? You didn't hear what I said, why I'm doing this? I don't know, money. Come on, man. Also, shout out to Jamoka Joe. I don't know where you at, but Jamoka Joe, black business owner, he he's not there no more. But he had a uh, coffee shop, and he let me do a show there. But Let's go. But, yeah, but that being said, like, remember how hard I used to try to make do performances and practice as much as I practice. And it's just, like, I don't remind myself, too. Like, it's always somebody's first time seeing you perform. And it's just, like, you're doing yourself such a dis- – and it's one thing if you tried your best and maybe you messed something up or you had a mistake. But if you're getting drunk, that's your fault. That is 100% your fucking fault, and you need to grow up. And that was what I, I had to kind of look at myself and be like, all right, there needs to be more discipline. And then other stuff was just lifestyle shit. You know, just, you know, I had issues with, you know, people coming to my crib and people saying things happened that didn't happen and shit like that. Or, like, um, I remember I had one moment with my drinking where I was at my crib. I got a house now, thank God. And um, again, I worked really hard to get my house. It come from like sleeping on couches, staying yeah. in people's cribs or whatever. And I don't know what it was. It was just one weekend. I was like, I'm just going to get fucked up. And it was like one day I turned up with this person. The next day was that person. And then I think the last day it was me and um, he was my roommate at my time and my business partner. Shout out to Chubsy Bear. You were there. Gang. And um, it was uh, somebody else we was kicking it with. And I just remember we made like vodka smoothies. I don't know why we decided to do that. It was like that. And like a, that sounds interesting though. I ain't gonna hold you. It was just like it. It sounds good because it was like a we used sorbet ice cream and then fruit, uh, okay. and all them sugars was like you're gonna regret this. And pretty much we turned up for like an hour or two, and then I blacked out and I woke up at like two in the morning, and like I was 
And to keep my at this point, I didn't really drink like that no more. Okay. This is just like an odd occurrence. Okay. But no boy, like, pause. I woke up naked on my floor. There's vomit everywhere. And I'm not on thrower up or something like I'm not the first thing I felt was shame. I'm like, yo, dog, are you serious? So I go downstairs and like it, I have what I call a pooty tang. Have you seen Pooty Tang? Yes. I love Pooty Tang. So remember when he went out to the country and he like had his own like garden and stuff and then the corn <laughs> didn't work out? I had been I had planted my first plants and I never planted anything before. And it was like uh work. I had like a little garden, excuse me. Okay. <laughs> and when I was drunk, I had fell in my garden and I crushed all my plants. And I was literally outside at two in the morning crying. <laughs> Yo, this sounds like a movie. Yeah, like I was my pooty tang moment. I'm literally, but like I was for real. And it's funny because one of my friends would joke and was like, when I moved to Petersburg, she was like, Yo, you're about to become pooty tang. And I'm like, damn, this I am actually <laughs> becoming pooty tang. This is my moment. <laughs> but I think that was the last time I had like a serious, like, like, cause I was so scared because I'm like, bro, what if I burn something? What if somebody died? Like, it's other people here, and we all this drunk. Like, this is like, we too old for this. And granted, this wasn't no time recently. This was years ago. Yeah. But I was just like, that. it was, again, it's just shame. It's an embarrassment. And then it's just like, I'm trying to have fun. Like, why, why, why are we really doing this? Like, there's got to be something else here, G. So, yeah. I, after them little couple moments, I'm like, yeah, man. I, we got to ch- change it. So, boring is where it's at. Yes. Now, again, we still, we turn up. <laughs> But my environment is way more controlled. I know what works for me, what doesn't work. Like, like for example, like us turned up is like I'll practice. Like I'm still I'm learning how to DJ. Okay. So like we'll set up like my like my speaker I use for gigs. We set it up in the kitchen. Yeah. And I'll get the DJ and it might be me, her, and like one or two of my friends. Yeah. And we'll we'll drink there and then we'll drink so much, but like we'll make sure we eat in a certain amount or everybody's drinking just as much water. And then we just get to dance and have a good time. So you're you're introducing responsibility and accountability in your turn up oh always yeah and that because that was a thing for me too once i got like to different circles and i got to leading my thing pause like i noticed like also i no disrespect nobody with the pause it's no, just it's, it's funny it's, to me no i no, know some people good. get like offended <laughs> but um but nah but like um when i noticed like some of the people i was around was gonna let me do bullshit but not in like a they want me to do bad way it's just like some folks they just they haven't seen me prior, so they don't know that this is the start of me jumping this off a cliff. This is a terrible idea. Yeah. Letting him do that is not good. They don't know that. And, like, some of them have figured it out. Yeah. Um, but, like, I had to, like, but at the same time, I had to look and be like, the fact that I even took this moment to stop and wait to see if somebody was going to stop me from doing this, I'm conscious enough to know that I'm doing something <sighs> stupid. So I need to, like, because instead of my, my first thought, was, why does nigga let me do that? I should be like, why are you letting yourself do that? Yeah. yeah bro, bro. That ain't on them. Yeah. That ain't on them. Get back in the car. Yeah, boy. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, I gotta give you props, man, because you're you're showing me something that I don't think we, as black men, talk about enough. Like, as a black man or as a man, period, as a person, period. When do you get to a place where you check yourself, you look at your actions, and evaluate where your actions have got you? And told yourself the truth. Facts. Like, bro, you OD. You OD on the turning up, and everything that you've dreamed of, everything that you've worked for is starting to happen. And alongside that, your irresponsibility can also tear that down at any moment if you keep going the way you're going. Yeah. Like, for you to say, like, I want this too bad to let a lifestyle destroy it, 
that's heavy, bro. Nah, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that too. And we we was talking about this the other day too, but it's just uh just a lot from my background. It's I think the best thing that I've been able to see is it not work out. Whether it be, you know, for lifestyle reasons and like this is I just had a lot of like coming to Jesus moments of seeing certain people look certain ways and no disrespect to folks, but like for example, like I, I ain't gonna say his name, but it, like when I, I go back to St. Thomas when I was younger, like usually during the summertime. Okay. And I remember it was one year I was with someone and they were like, they're not my cousin, but they like helped my grandfather out with a lot of stuff around the house. Okay. So he always looked out for me and I was really excited. I ain't had no big brothers, so anytime I had like a big brother figure, I'm like always excited. I went back home the next year and he was just different. And at the, I was younger, I didn't get it, but he was just not, he couldn't really speak. He was like shaking and stuff. So I was like, I don't know what's up. And then I found out later he used drugs. And it wasn't even like he picked up a habit. He like, he hit something that was laced. And now he's just like that forever. Anytime I go home, it's like he, he's like that now. But, um, and even in those moments when I, like when I was staying in Hampton and where I was at outside, like, I always thought, like, if folks was out, I was ignorant, but I, anytime I seen people outside, I just assumed if you're outside, you're a crackhead. Like, if you look crackheadedish, you're a crackhead. And that's just it forever. But when I got to know people and I was actually outside and I talked to people and I'm actually a part of my community, I realized I'm like, niggas ain't on drugs. It's just like some people, like, sometimes mentally things just, people snap, stuff happens, and you end up there. Or, like, God bless the dead. Some of our other friends are part of the collective. Like, one of them, uh, 94, nice, it's my dog, rest in peace. You know, he passed away. And then, like, for me, that kind of showed me, too, this, like, obviously nothing's promised, but when you witness it, it's like the most talented person out of the group, like, doesn't make it. And it's, and, like, he was, and he was murdered. Then when, like, he got sick or nothing like that. And it just sucked because he was so talented, but he always was waiting. Like, okay, I'm not going to put this out. You know, I'm just going to record this. I'm going to wait on that. And it's like. When you keep, and then now I think that was the other reason too I was so upset with that person was just because I'm like, bro, I'm still here. I'm still, I'm, I'm trying. And you see that, and it's just like, this it is not no fairy tale. It's like, more than likely, life will not work out for you. And that's not in a negative way. That's just, that's a good thing because it's like, if you can realize that, it should make you want to work like, yeah, put things in order. Like, yes. okay, this cannot work out. Well, let me, if I control my environment, I can make it work. And I granted things might happen, but if I can die saying like, well, you know what? I did the best I could do. Yeah. And I'm happy with that. Yes. So important perspective too. Yes. If you can't hold your mule, don't give it to somebody that don't deserve it now. Nah. Please don't. You know he out here sleeping with everybody. Don't do it. And you gonna do it because it feel good. Why? Because he got a big thing thing or something. That ain't, that ain't. You know how many men folk around here? Never mind. I'm just. Saying, there's plenty of fishies in the sea. If you enjoyed this clip of Be For Real, you can watch the full video. Just head over to RXS Entertainment YouTube channel. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just type in B-E-F-U-H-R-E-A-L period. And I that that's the thing, that's the underlying thing that I'm noticing with you that I respect and admire just through this conversation. Like your your ability to assess past situations, 
to make current situations from a smarter perspective is yeah. thank you we don't all, all people don't do that they will literally know exactly how they failed and because it feels good we'll do it again yeah and i'm not waiting on that i've seen it too much like uh, we I had a conversation with one of my homies like that. I had um when I first moved to Richmond, I was staying on somebody while I was waiting on an apartment. And they um I won't say they kicked me out, but they wasn't handling their bills right. So they got evicted and they told me while I was at work. And it was just like, Hey bro, uh yeah, you got nowhere to come to. And I'm like, bro, all my I got my I'm at Navy Federal, I'm like, I got my suit on and shit. I'm like, I don't know nobody in Richmond. They was like, Well, I'm gonna be at work. So you kinda asked out. So like that I got off work at five o'clock and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing until eight AM. And anyways, fast forward, that person ended up going through some things. And me and my other close friend, they he tried to do that that movie thing where they're like, all right, we're going to tell this person we're here at that time. And we're going to tell that person we're here at this time. And then now you're going to magically become friends again. And I'm like, nigga, why would you do that? So <laughs> they, we try to have, they try to like coordinate a, a, like a intervention like, type Like, yo, of? I think y'all should be cool. I'm like, I'm not going to be cool with them again. I'm cool with them now. But, <laughs> but we were in the same space and they were just complaining about everything that was going wrong with them. They had just went to jail. They had this messed up this didn't work out and my friend was like well you know everything's gonna be okay and i was like nigga stop lying to her no it's not no your life is shitty because you fucked up get it together i'm like you your life will do better when you get it together but no if you keep doing what you're doing it's not all gonna work out stop waiting on stuff to happen i'm like you need to be proactive you suck initiative okay. hello it all comes back thank you dad initiative like if if a situation is in your control and things have been going bad because of your choices and decisions and mindset, you can easily shift the results by changing your decisions mindset. That is like it's not rocket science. You feel me? And it might and it's if it goes a little deeper into I can't stop doing these certain things, well now you realize that there's a common denominator and maybe we should explore that. Yes. So oh. it's Sometimes it's easier said than done, but for the most part, it's usually not. It's not yeah, because it's if not. you if you are um, if you are if you have enough courage, because it takes a lot of courage to say I have an addiction. Right. It takes a lot of courage to say, uh, "What's the word you use? I do things in excess. Excess. I yeah. OD. You gotta know. Like it takes a lot of courage because it's like." Nobody wants to admit something's wrong with me. And essentially, if you say I'm addicted, you're saying something's wrong with me. But if you have enough courage to say that's an addiction, then you can seek the proper help. It's And that's a slippery slope, too, because and I I noticed this from um, I had a situation. I was doing not too long, just like a little a mental thing. I I was like, I couldn't put a finger on like, why am I? Why is this bothering me? Yeah. And when I looked more into it, I figured out there was a name for it. And when I. I like started researching that more and figuring out how different ways to deal with it. When they said something really impactful, I was listening to this podcast about it, and there was like the problem sometimes with diagnosis is um, wrongful accountability. So a lot of times, like let's say let's say I got diabetes or yeah. whatever, right? And yeah. then um, there was terrible because I had just, I'm not I'm not going anywhere with that. But let's just say with like you you have a thing and like someone's like, hey, are you trying? No, nah, I can't because my this. Oh. Or no, that's probably my this acting up. Like, oh, I have. Let's say, let's say, attitude problems are an actual thing. Okay. But it, well, I, I can't be around this person because I have attitude problem. It's like, well, bitch, work on it. What are you talking? 
<laughs> you know you have a problem work on it like that's the thing that's, that that can be the issue with some people's labels is now you can you have something to like assist blame oh it's like oh it's not that it's not me it's my diabetes but again and then you can get to the it ain't me it's the problem and now it's you, like it's like you can shift accountability to the insert yeah, whatever you, you, you've created an entity now you've made it a thing so now you can put a bunch of shit in this thing as opposed to like bro that was just there to help you figure it out oh. like that's why it's supposed to be there so that can be and I've, I've had to check myself because I, I've done that too where it's just like oh that's not me that's my trauma it's like well nigga work on it <laughs> it's, I'm sorry that you went through a thing it's messed up it's bad but we all got it you got you got work and it ain't overnight obviously you're never gonna be 100% but like you gotta make the effort to get better. You gotta try. And a lot of people don't even try. And I think sometimes when when people have been introduced to situations that does cause them to have some kind of issue, when it's when the problem occurred beyond their control, that's when it's easier to blame it on that. Yeah. Like if somebody was abused. Yeah, it's not your fault, but 20 years from now, it is your responsibility to grow from it. You got it. Because then you could start messing everything up, blaming it on what happened 20 years ago. Yes, it wasn't your fault. Yes, you didn't deserve it. Yes, that person is wrong. But 20 years later, that person ain't even living no more. And your relationship is messed up. Your job ain't working out. And it's because you like, well, 20 years ago, this happened. So this is why I am the way I am. And to your point, you have to say, yes, this happened. Now what? I I, I went through that. <sighs> I went through that exact situation where it was like, and um, yeah, if I'm keeping the buck, that, that's been my issue with quite a few people moving forward in life is like leaning on, you know, what may have happened at one point. Because it's like, it sucks, shit does happen. And it's like, especially, especially the black folks. We have a lot of abuse and trauma that we got to figure out and deal with. Some of it we've inherited. And it sucks. But it's like, for our own good, like, we got, like, whomever, whatever you're going through, like, bro, you got to, like, really try. And it's crazy because, like, when I started figuring things out, that was the first thing I said to a lot of my friends. It's like, bro, try this therapy. Or if you're not comfortable with therapy yet, try this option. And motherfuckers, like, I've heard the, the dumbest excuses of, and, and I was going to be nice and be like, well, I don't need to say, no, nah, it's dumb. <laughs> like, <clears throat> it's like, I'm sick. I don't want to take medicine. And I, I got a, I'm glad I got a really good perspective on therapy early. Like, when I was like, let's say 2010, my freshman year in college, okay. I, I had a professor who, um, I don't even know how they got on the topic, but he started talking about therapy. And um, it, he was an African-American history teacher. And he was just like, why, it was literally like, white people get therapy. And I'm like, this is going to be interesting. And he was, That was like the start of, that's how he yeah, started it off? Yeah. He, you know what's crazy? And again, this is that's another- That's like comedy. This is another lesson of you can learn anything from anyone. That same dude went to prison for selling heroin <laughs> a couple years later. So, balance. Yes. But anywho, uh, he was saying essentially that uh, your, your mind is like your body. You're like- there's no shame in going to the doctor, you know. I mean, that's a long conversation, but generally speaking, there's no shame in going to the doctor, getting an annual checkup, make sure you're good. The same for your mind. Like your mind isn't going to be sharp forever and all the time. Things happen. Your mind has to be taken care of. He's like white folks figure that out. They go to therapy. He was like, and it's in class. He's like niggas need to start going to therapy. And I remember niggas in class was like, 
bro, I'm 18. I don't, this is a lot. But that always stuck with me because it made sense. I was like, you absolutely right. And then when I seen folks outside, it was a little different too. I was like, all right. But that was like when I was really realizing I was going through some stuff, I was like, I need therapy. Yeah. Like I got to do it. And um, and it's funny because like when I moved to Richmond, they're a lot more, at the time, I would say more um up to date with things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So I had did like... I had like a joint podcast with a bunch of people and they were talking about mental health and they were all talking about their therapist and how they went therapy. And I remember the first, and this is after all these realizations, by the way, this is me as an adult. Okay. I remember I was there with my homie and I was like, man, these niggas is crazy. All these niggas is in therapy. <laughs> Fuck is wrong with y'all? <laughs> and then I was like, I'm part of the problem. This is it. I'm, I'm the problem. It's me. But I shortly got therapy after that. And that was like one of the, as an adult, that's probably one of the best decisions I made. Wow. Yeah. Especially just like, even outside of like, what I didn't like about it was I felt like I had so much back trauma that we didn't discuss. But what I did enjoy about it was in my in my present life at that time, I learned so much more about conflict resolution and how to communicate more effectively with people. And then um, at my time with my partner or whatever. But like now that like I'm in better situations, I'm moving better and forward. Like I've been able to take a lot of those lessons and it's made me a much better man in all aspects of my life. And that's what's important. Yeah. It's like, at what point in your life do you decide, I want to be better? Yeah, this happened. Yeah, this ain't go the way I wanted it to. Yes, I wanted to accomplish this by this age, but I had setbacks. With all of that being said, there has to be a point where you say, I want to be a better person. Big facts. Because... The crazy thing is, oftentimes, the journey to becoming a better person makes it easier for us to check off the things on our checklist. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, wow. I thought this was hard. But now that I'm better here, it's actually easier. Oh, yeah. Because let's say, for instance, it's communication. Before, I was a jerk because I had a chip on my shoulder. Now it's easier for me to get gigs because I know how to talk to people. Oh, yeah. That, that was honestly. <laughs> so I wasn't working before because I didn't know how to talk to people. Not because I wasn't good at my craft. Yeah, I, that was a big one for me specifically. Really? Like learning how to talk, especially business-wise. Yeah. Because, again, I, this, and then also different eras and different communities overlapping. Because I'm thinking, like, at one point, you got to shake motherfuckers down to get shit going. Again, I just took so much stuff disrespectfully. But, like, um, I think. Yeah, communication wise, just like learning how to give to get. Like just like like I got no problem now on certain and it, it's on both ends. I have no problem doing free shit now, but then I also know when to start charging niggas. Yeah. And that was I had issues on both ends. I've had issues where it was like I ain't doing shit for free. Fuck you. But then, Which is not smart. Yeah. But at the same time, I had issues where it was like I was doing too much for people or like People don't know how to separate that dollar. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I was, mm, yeah, it was just kind of recent. But anyways, at some point in life, I was doing sax gigs with a, a regular group of people. Yeah. And um, I did it for a lot less than what I normally would charge. I charge a lot more for sax because it's more you know, professional stuff. Yes. And um, I, again, I agreed to do it for less for, you know, the opportunity. And they were, like, really accommodating other stuff. And they were giving me little words that I kind of fit. Like, it was like, 
like trigger warning. The trigger words, like they was like, oh, you're fam. And yeah, you're like, you're family. And I'm like, I met y'all twice. Yeah. They, like family, people so love like, to use family to get their discount. Yeah. They and, want a family discount, so they're going to adopt you. Yeah, and they treated us good. And that's the thing, like they treated us good with amenities. Like we had like a really nice place to stay when we went there. They were mad cool. <sighs> they but, love to do that because that, because <laughs> people love to be like, the catering was amazing. You stayed at a five-star hotel. So here's this $10 for this two-hour gig. I can't pay my like my bills with this comfortable bed. I appreciate it. I thank you for it. But then they didn't give me my bread on time. And it was like, normally I'd take it, you know, I'd do, not most of us, 50% deposit and then 50% either day of. But before I start doing anything, I need the rest of that bread. And I'd put that to the side because it was a good opportunity. And um, the first couple times everything was cool, but then it was like the day of no money. Then that night, hey, um, I haven't got the bread yet. No response. Well, we got to get back because we got another gig. I'm back in Virginia. Hey, I still ain't got that money. Like a day of like, all right, at what point we got pulled back up? Because y'all playing with me now. And so then the person, I think it was like a day or two later. Like it was like, because the week, it was like a weekend gig and they hit me like on Monday or Tuesday. Hey, you know, we had all these things going on. Normally the people that play for us, they usually take less money. So but I'm like, what the fuck does that got to do with the arrangement that we made? You pay me my money when you say you pay it. Yeah, facts. Yeah, and then ever since I have not heard from them. And I was cool with doing business further. I was like, all right, cool. Well, just next time. Let's, let's just, just fix this, this and move forward. Yeah, we cool. Because it's just money. Because it's, it, it, it's money, but it's just money. But yeah. it's money. It's money, but it's money. Like <laughs> balance. Like it's like, yeah, I gotta get my bills paid, but I'm not gonna lose a friendship over bread. Like, it's not that ser- to me. It's not that serious. Like we, I can always make more. I can yes. always make less. And at the same token, you have to hold people accountable to their word. Exactly. And I feel like you can't, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm. You can't be a pussy about it. Like if. <laughs> Don't be scary now because I, I I pressed you about the bread. It's cool. We had a moment. We moved past it. You pay me. I'm good. I'm not. I'm not holding against you. When do you want me to play next month? Yeah. And I, ain't, and I have not heard from them since. Whoa. Yeah, I'm just like. So what did you? What's the lesson you took away from that? Um, er, I'm, everything ain't going. Everything ain't always gonna be good. You, I just as long as I, I move in a way that's respectful to myself, then I'm cool. I can sleep at night. Um, and then also. I do find it funny that when you do shit for cheaper, it usually tends to be more of a headache. It's a funny. Okay. Okay. We have to talk about that for a second. Cause I just told one of the homies this normally the clients that won't discounts are the most aggravated for sure. Long term. The ones that will pay you the premium price normally. Here's the thing. Here's why this is my theory. You let me know if you agree. Yeah. Most of the time, like if somebody hired me to produce a song and I charge them $300 for the sake of the conversation. If it took a lot for them to save that $300, they are going to micromanage the fool out of me because the value of that money to them in their life. Oh, yeah. So... I want to make sure this is right and this is right and this is right and this is right and this is right. And And can you do that over? And can you do? I don't quite like that because it was hard for me to earn that $300 to give to you. Exactly. On the flip side, if a person just got money and they've saved $1,500 to get a song done and they come to you because of your work, the value of that money is different. 
so they're able to trust you without anxiety. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I got the money. I'll make more money here. This is what you charge here. I think it could depend, too, on the relationship. Like, okay. Because a lot of time, them discounts come with personal relationships. Like, That's... T- do, do you do, do discounts, discounts for homies? It depends. Because, like, let's... Like, for example, we, we said earlier we have, like, a very close collection. Yeah. Like, any... I, if if Wilkes wanted a feature for me tomorrow, the money's not coming up. Shout out, Wilkes. Yeah. Gang. Money's not coming up. And yeah. I know it's the same for him. He's, he's done multiple things for me. I've done multiple things for him. Yeah. Now, if he asks, we probably have a conversation, depending yeah. on where I'm at. In life, like, look, but I would, I would never disrespect him and be like, I might be like, hey, bro, I might not can get the feature right now because I can't honor your price. But yeah. thank you for keeping it a buck with me. Yeah. Um, and then I have people like who I like I do work with, and it's like they might give me a much cheaper price because we work together all the time. All the time. But they might also know my personal situation. But because I'm, I know that he's doing this for me, and I know how much. I hate when niggas do the other end around. I'll make sure I go above and beyond to make sure that they get their bread and that, that I get the fuck about the way and let them do. Listen, do. I'm I'm the I'm the above. Oh, okay, so we gotta talk about it. I'm the above and beyond friend. Like, if I hire you, I don't feel comfortable asking you to do it for a discount or for free. Right. But I don't feel comfortable giving you my regular fee if you hire me. Yeah. Because I'm a sower. Like, my objective is to do whatever it takes to see you win. And then if I ever get a, give an opportun- get an opportunity, do whatever I can to make sure that you're good. Because I feel like that'll set me up to have good karma. Yeah. And, you know, in regards to that, just on a, on a business level, I'm very fair with back end. Like when it comes to like royalties and stuff like that, I split that shit down the middle. Like if it's me and my producer, like shout out to Jack or Jack Union, by the way. Um, like let's say maybe he might have looked out or he might not have looked out, whatever the price is, whatever he did for me for that shit, back in 50 50. If ain't nobody else on the track, 50 50. Whatever it is, if it's like we doing a show, if again, if we agree to a certain split, and like cause you know, sometimes motherfuckers be like, Oh, I thought we was only gonna make 200, but we made it rack. Well, I only told you I was going to... Nah, like, I keep it 100% fair with the bread. Because like you say, it's like, that's his own type of karma, too. It's his own type of energy that you welcome in. And that, and that can get... Bro, first of all, shout out to you. Because people will go a lot further, a lot faster with the mindset you have. Because, like, if you're the type of person where you're like, okay, I'm going to split everything 50-50. Especially with a producer who doing what they got to do. Like, Cause more than likely they're doing more work. Exactly. More than likely they're doing way more. And it's work. like, in the long run, the way y'all can build is crazy. But if you want to make this quick thousand dollars by not telling the, your producer how much you made, and that come out, you gonna lose that producer. Yeah, you gonna lose that relationship. And rightfully so. Yes, you gonna lose it to have a couple hundred dollars today. And it's like, no, man. Like build, and be fair. Like. Be fair. Take care of your people. And it's a lot of time it's just communication. Now, if you communicate in with someone and they don't you can't force no money in nobody's hand. Right? right. So it's like as long as you're doing your due diligence to try and be fair, that's the best you could do. Cause I've had issues with that too. I got a lot of songs that's 50-50 with features because people don't want to give me the BMI or they don't want to set up a BMI or ASCAP or whatever. Or like when we did all the work, now I'm reaching back. Hey, what's your email so I can get you on these splits? So if they don't care, then that ain't on you. I'll go for it. Because some people really, some people like, I don't even know what it takes to do that and it, it don't bother me. 
But then if that, <laughs> the crazy thing though, our human nature don't let it go crazy. Yeah. Then they'll be like, "Hey man," you be like, "Gotcha." You ain't seen this message thread? I hit you up three songs ago, bro. We making music since 2015. Jeff, I'm talking to you. I'm kidding. But the key, that's my dog. I'm but <laughs> yeah, the key is though to to like um when it comes to splits and stuff, like be integral. And I think sometimes the music business has excused shysty behavior. Yeah. Because so many people have become successful off shysty behavior that people who are trying to come up thinks doing it that way is how you become successful. It's a it's a shysty foundation. So yes. that's one of the things that we, we saw about that too, where it was like the business structure, I think like the two most outdated business structures that still have like similar structures is book publishing and music business. Yes. That's they're true. both very, very, very unfair. Yes, like, and it's just and they're in favor of the people who do the least amount of work. Yeah, it's very and it's it's not sustainable. And I think and it's funny because I was had a conversation about this with someone a couple years ago where I was like, I don't think the model of music business is good long term, especially in regards to like American business and infrastructure. Because well, that's the one thing too is like. I think because of our age, it's hard for us to put in perspective how new a lot of this is. Like, people wasn't really doing albums till, like, what, like, the 70s? Yeah. Yeah, before that, it was just, you know, record. It was, like, side A, side B, or, like... Yeah, like, two, like four songs in all most of the time. Yeah. Like, seriously. So, like, and, two two minutes and 30 seconds per song type. And that's just 100 years. Music's been around as long as we have, for real. That's yes. the first form of communication. That's, in, in my opinion, like, yeah. spiritual communication. So, it's like... I think when you have things of that nature, it's not meant to be put in these types of systems. And I feel like it's always going to work against it because it's not it's not of that. Like, I don't think it's I feel like long term, they'll never work. That's why it's like it's, it's working how it's working now where things are like music business. Like as far as a big record label, it's it's not really sustainable anymore. Yeah. And it's like you're seeing it start to dwindle down. So it's like. Independent artist is working, and it's like it's still a struggle, but you're seeing it. It's way easier now than it was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. It might not have even been possible for most people thirty years ago. Yeah. Um. So I feel like stuff like that. That's always going to be natural. You just got to wait for that system to crumble in. Again, just figure out what you want to do. Do your own research. Know what makes sense, but don't make sense. Yeah. So as an independent artist, I want to know two things. What's been? I'll do the bad thing first. What's been the biggest struggle as an independent artist? And what's been the biggest blessing as an independent artist? The same thing, finance. Oh, yeah. so the best and worst thing is the same. Yeah. Cause oh. it's, uh, it's like knowing what you need to do and not having the money for it. Like, damn, bro. If I, if I, and like, especially when you know how to make it work too, because it's like, I know how to make bread off of it. But again, stuff changes so fast that it's like, it's, it's a little bit harder to keep up, especially like for me, like, all right, I might not make that much off streams, but I can sell this hoodie for $40. Yes. But it's like back then, it was, well, I won't say back then, but when I first started selling merch, I was outside. Outside was more of a thing. You, I could have more opportunities to go outside and sell my stuff. I didn't really have to worry about e-commerce. Now I got to do e-commerce. And granted, the systems are easier to there. The system is there. It's established. But it's harder to get it out there because it's like, okay, now how do I communicate? Ads, which ads cost money. I need ads, ads for the money. music. I need yeah. this and that. And it's like, and granted, it's way cheaper than it would have been 10, 20 years ago. Like for me, like I noticed, I'm like, damn, if we just have, if we had $10,000, we could change our lives. Yes. If we had 5000 we could make this a really good album rollout. Yeah. But, um, but when the money coming in, it's like, oh, bet, we good. It's way more than I thought. I, you know, 
producer here, yeah. us here, get the team, this and that, and it circulates way easier. So I can't imagine having like to answer to a, a large label or a big, big team, and you got to split up everything however so many ways. I'm going to make sure everybody get their they shit straight. But um, but that's why I'm glad. Uh, small team, again, shit is expensive. Cool. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. Building yeah. up business credit. It, it takes time. Yeah. And are you willing to be patient in that process? I ain't got a choice. Ah. Yeah. It's it's a matter of do you are you do you want to be happy or no? Like, cause you gonna you're gonna have to be patient at the end of the day. And 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 like that's a good point because you can get to a place where you have to be patient anyway, because time gotta do its thing. And it can be a joyful patience, or you can be annoyed by it. But either way you gotta either way you gotta wait. You can't outrun time, you can't outrun karma. It's just, just you just gotta deal with it at the end of the day. So you better figure out how you want to deal with it. Because either way, up. you gotta deal with it. Yeah, and I would say the only thing with time is, it's you can't rush stuff, but at the same time, you can definitely prolong it. So if you wait into like if you just keep putting shit off, keep putting shit off, that's that's on you. You just you waiting, like so you can keep waiting. But I think there are definitely ways to be smart about stuff because it's like, what would Russian be? Russian would be like, what, putting out a song every week, every month? Which, you know, if that's what people do, it's no problem if that works for you. But that's what you got to ask yourself is like, do I want what's going to come with releasing, Let's let, for shits and giggles, let's say a song a week? Because that could be cool, but now you've built up a structure based off of that. Um, You might have a plan, though. You might be like, okay, well, I'm going to do this until I get to that point and then this, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Again, there's no wrong or or negative thing. It's just a matter of what works for you or what do you want to work for you? What do you want your setup to be? And figuring that up. And then, you know, as long as you can deal with what comes with that, you can sleep at night. That's Shit, that's the whole thing. As long as you can do what you have to do. To sleep at night. That's the whole thing. Hell yeah. Because I'm sitting here thinking about that statement. And whether it be anxiety or whether it be being impatient or whether that be being frustrated because things aren't happening the way you want them to happen. Creatives go to bed and don't sleep, bro. Hell yeah. She, she could tell you. I'd be waking up, brand. I'd be. I'm a, a ball of anxiety, but mm. learning how to deal with it. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it's like, and I, we was talking about this too, where like I kind of I made like a, a I wouldn't say a resolution, but a, a personal declaration this year, where I'm like I'm kind of in like that in between point of like either this is gonna have to start making more sense financially, or I gotta get back to the regular nine five, bro. And there's no shame in either. It's again, it's just, you know, what works. So I kind of like, you know, made like a personal like prayer and, and I put it out there. I'm like, look, I'm going to try really, really hard in January to go. And like, and I know I try hard regularly, but I know I'm going to actively like, again, I'm taking free gigs. I'm doing as long as I'm playing three places a week or like I'm hitting up. Because you saw as soon as I hit you up, you was like a date. What's the first one? Yeah. I'm trying, yeah. To, I'm trying to keep that energy going. So it's like. I want to say I try before I get to February. And if it don't make sense, then I'm still going to keep the same energy, but I'm going to also get back into the regular world. But, like, I'm going to, like, I don't care if I'm not making nothing. I'm just going to keep the door open for some money. I'm going to have my sign up. I'm going to have my jar. I'm not going to say no if they're offering, but I'm telling I just want the opportunity. So, like, last week was my first week where I was just like, I'm just going to go everywhere and ask, y'all need somebody to play saxophone? Oh. And I did that. I, I played. That was when I played at the shop to the Mexican homies. I played at a Mexican spot in a cut on Tuesday, and um, 
it was like a wild like I don't know if y'all got like the, it was like a crazy storm last week. But we got a, some crazy rain. Yeah, it didn't hit us as hard, but it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was my first day. I was like, well, shit. I told him I'm coming. I'm pulling up. So I played it for. I want nobody in there, but like, I think he like respected. That I pulled up. Came back the next day. Made like ten dollars. But what I can say is when I when I went home, I was like, I slept so good. Like I felt good. And again, I've been doing music, but it was like it was something about like just. Doing it that day, I was like, yo, I feel great. And the same shit that I went back on Wednesday, and I'm sure it's going to be the same shit this week. I mean, today, I feel great right now. I feel yeah. great waking up this morning, getting up early, brushing my teeth, scratch my chin when I was shaving. <laughs> I, like, I was like, bad. I was like, good anxious. I'm like, like, like first, like first gig anxious. Like, yeah, yeah. we in here. So I just got to follow the feels. Like, if it feel right, I think it's good. When as soon as the shit start feeling wrong, then it's like, all right, well, let's, let's evaluate. Make the adjustment. Yeah. So right now you're still doing music as a rapper as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like current music out? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, uh, we actually just put out a project called Invite Only. Um, probably about a, a month old right now. Uh, it's on all streaming platforms. But more importantly, <laughs> camera. Uh, if you would like to buy it from us, um, you can. If you're in my bio, as long as you can spell Scusi S K U Z with two eyes. Um, yeah, you can purchase the album directly from us and all the money goes back to us. And coincidentally, the album's on the same website that you can get my hoodies at gang, gang, and gang. everything. Um, we, right, look, if I could put an octopus on it, I sell it. So it's on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yes, I do have album out. Invite only. Invite only. So they can stream it or you prefer if they are willing to, to buy it directly from you. And if you're able to. If you're able yeah, to. I, I, my preference is getting the music out there. Um, it's just I know people like to support um, again my financial doors are open so if you <laughs> Wide want to open. please feel free um, but yeah like even if you don't have any like if for some reason you down bad you don't got nothing to stream off of it's on YouTube too you can go up there and f- for the free as long as you got access to the internet you can you can see it um, so there's no way that you cannot listen to this project it's available literally everywhere absolutely before we go, is there anything that you want to say, anything you want people to know, any other thing that you want to promote? Um, I mean, just I'll circle back and say take a listen to that. It's a it's a really good album. Um, it's very feel I was very intentional about making it feel good, but at the same time, there's a lot of good um emotions that were communicated effectively. It's probably one of my first mostly upbeat projects. It ain't you no know, pop, nothing like that, but it's just it's a good mix. A lot of there's a lot of uh Caribbean elements in there. There's Calypso, there's Soka, but then there's also House in there too. Um, the song Samoa's on, which by the way, there's a song with Samoa on it. Game. Um, that one's really, really, that's probably my favorite right there. That one's got all types of like just club elements in there too. And it sounds angelic. Like that, that man, if you look, if for some reason you don't know who Samoa is, yo, man, he's an actual angel. And it sounds like it. It sounds, the if I could compare the sound of that track, it sounds like, an angel is scooping your favorite mashed potatoes and gravy and slowly placing it on a plate for you. Come on, visual. And, and said, good job, baby. That's what it <laughs> feels like. Yeah. It's amazing. But yeah, it's a great project. So I would say definitely go just take a listen and let me know. Let me know what you think about it if you enjoyed it. Cool. If you didn't, fuck you. I'm just kidding. Nah. <laughs> hey, that's okay, too. If you didn't like everything's not for everybody. But yeah. Um, Support the brand. Um, you know, go buy some hoodies, go buy some shirts. Uh, if you uh, see us, we do a bi-monthly event at Charlotte Southern Deli and Tapas. It's my homie's restaurant up in Richmond, Virginia. 
we do uh, Finesse Fridays. It's a bi-monthly event that we do. Uh, we have other performers. Uh, we have other DJs. We have a, a gentleman that makes pizza. Shout out to the homie. Um, it's a very, very great vibe. We had one for New Year's. We had a cozy show. Let's go. You see me and my lady. We look great. We had all cream on. Look like a, a, a Harlem couple. Like I had <laughs> cocaine and a bucket hat. Very, <laughs> very lovely time. But yeah, so yeah, just support the brand. Follow. You know, talk to me. Talk back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here, man. Thank you for having me. It was a great time. This has been another episode of the RXS Podcast with Scoozy. We out. Peace. Yeah.